This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate the fact that you're watching today. Today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're going to begin a series of lessons entitled, Navigating Life's Troubled waters. I don't think that anyone would disagree that we're living in some very unusual times, times that, that try our souls. And, and I think that we need something that we can have, uh, that we can hold on to, something that can give us hope for the future. We want to talk about that for the next few weeks on uh, getting to know your Bible, and the several programs uh, We'll deal with this subject, navigating life's troubled waters. But today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. We have literally thousands of people all over the world that are studying the Bible through the Bible course that we're offering. It's called World Bible School. We'd like for you to enroll in this course and and. I, 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 I will make you this promise. It will not cost you one penny. It is absolutely free. Uh, it's not uncommon for us to have people to call and say, well, I know that, that, that they say that it's free, but now, really, wh what does it cost? And may I assure you, there is no cost whatsoever. In order that you might know more about the course, in order that you might know how to receive the course, we'd like to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-877. 7115214 I'd like to read now from the 6th chapter of Matthew beginning with verse 30 and we'll read to the end of the chapter in verse 34 Wherefore if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We do live in troubled times. 
But people have lived in troubled times before us, and they survived, and so shall we. When Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he began that chapter like this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we've been living in the last days in those perilous times since the day of Pentecost. It was on the day of Pentecost that, that Peter quoted a prophecy of Joel and he said it shall come to pass in the last days. And so it was in the last days that the church had its beginning. What, what's really meant by that expression, last days, is the last era of history. So the fact is, we've been living in some troublous times for a long, long time. But, but in our day, the, the problems that we are encountering presently have somewhat accelerated for us. And we're wondering, how can I survive? We're living in times of unparalleled biblical illiteracy. That there was a time that the average person in America had at least some smattering of knowledge of the Bible. But we're living in a time somewhat described by Judges chapter 2 verse 10. There arose a generation that knew not the Lord. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing in America if all people had a knowledge of God. In Hosea 4 and 6, the Bible says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. There was a preacher now deceased by the name of Franklin Camp. And I recall hearing him comment on that passage on one occasion. And he referred to the people in Hosea 4 and 6 as Old Testament dropouts. Nowadays, we have people that are not only Old Testament dropouts, they're New Testament dropouts. That is, they, they do not have the knowledge of God's Word they ought to have. We're living in a time of, of uh, unparalleled sins of the flesh, flagrant sins of the flesh, a time when people are no longer embarrassed about the things that they do. The Jeremiah asked the question in Jeremiah 6, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? And his answer was, no, they were not ashamed, neither could they blush. Peter warns about sins of the flesh in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse number 11. He said, Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. And thus we're living in a time where, where people are, are involving themselves in things that will destroy their souls for an eternity. We're living in a time of violence and hate. In my years, I don't think I've ever seen so much hatred as as it exhibited today by way of television and the newsprint and in other ways. It seems as though hatred has become a way of life for some people. And it's exhibited by the violence that they, they live out in their lives. We're living at a time where of broken homes. It's said that one out of every two homes will end in divorce. If that's the case, then that's enough to make the angels weep. And we're living in a time of neglected children. So many children are going without one of their parents. Some go without any parent. And there are children who have both their parents at home, but those parents are uninvolved in the lives of those children. And those children are neglected children. We're living in a time 
of economic chaos and confusion. We may not know what the future holds so far as the economic future of our nation and of the world is concerned, but I do know who holds the future in the palm of His hand. Yes, indeed, we do live in some troublous times. That just seems to be the lot of man. Man is born unto woman, uh, that, that is born of woman is a few days and, and is full of trouble, we're told in Job the 14th chapter and in verse number 1. So all people have their share of trouble in this old world. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, Paul said, we are troubled on every side. Aren't there days that you get up and you feel like that? Every, which, every way that you turn, everywhere you look, there seems to be something going wrong. And you see it on the television. Then you have it in the, they come in your mailbox. Sometimes there are problems that come in the mailbox. You know what I mean. Bills that are due, you don't have the money to pay them. There are problems everywhere. And we wonder sometimes, how am I going to survive? How will I navigate in the troubled waters of life. Now may I first of all give you this suggestion and, and I'd like to talk about this for the remainder of our time on this telecast. If you're going to survive the troubled waters of life, if you're going to navigate through them safely, you need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians, the first chapter, and in verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul said, I, when I think about my life, and, and, the, and the reason that I'm living, and the way that I'm able to live, I go back to Jesus Christ. You know, some don't see the need of Jesus Christ. I have an idea that I'm speaking to someone right now who may not feel the need of Jesus Christ. There were those in Jesus' day who felt similarly. For example, in John the 6th chapter, in verse 66, the Bible says, For from that time many of the disciples turned back and walked no more with Him. Well, they, they saw no need for Christ. And there are folk today who say, well, I believe that a man by the name of Jesus lived, but, but I don't really need Jesus Christ in, in my life. I don't know why people would not see the need of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know why people would turn away from Jesus Christ. Maybe one of the reasons is because they... Uh, have objections to, to some of the things that Jesus teaches in His Word. If you'll study in, in John the 6th chapter, there, that the people uh, could not understand some of the hard sayings of Jesus. They were not hard in that they were difficult of understanding. They were hard in the application in one's life. For example, the, the subject of repentance is a hard saying where Christ said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. To some, that's a, that's a hard saying. Not that it's hard for a person to change their mind for the better, but it's hard sometimes to give up those sins that are required in, in repentance. And another of those hard sayings of Jesus is in Mark 16, 16, where Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized 
shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And so that's a hard saying for some. Someone says, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't see the need of being baptized. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That becomes a hard saying for some. That's some reason some people turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people turn away from Christ and they're not following Him because they have some doubts in their minds. They, they really are not certain that Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be. And, and they're skeptical. They have these doubts that come up in their minds. Well, well, first of all, there's nothing wrong with a person examining. There, there's nothing wrong with our investigating. As a matter of fact, I, I encourage investigation. I would encourage you to search the Scriptures to see if what I'm teaching you on this telecast is the Bible. If it's not the Bible, then you need to reject it. If it is the Bible, I would suggest that you accept it. And so there are those that have doubts in their minds about Jesus, and they're searching. And, and as a result, it's caused them to turn away from Him. And some people uh, do not see the need of Jesus Christ because uh, they're, they're fearful of, of uh, the, the opinion that others might have of them if they were to follow Jesus. I'm reminded of what Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. He said, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Let us not fear people. Let us not fear what people may think, what people may say, what people may do if we just make up our minds that the thing I really need in my life to navigate the troubled waters of life is the Lord Jesus Christ. But then some turn away from Jesus just strictly out of neglect. They know what they ought to do. They, they, they know they need to believe in Him. They know they need to repent of their sins. They, need, they know they need to confess their faith in Christ. They know they need to be baptized. They know they need to live a faithful life, but they just don't do anything about it. And yet another reason some may not see the need of Jesus Christ is because of the deceptive nature of sin. Sin deceives us into thinking we're okay just like we are. I remember studying with a man many years ago and I'd talk to him about Jesus and I'd talk to him about the plan of salvation and, and how an individual should become a New Testament Christian. And, and then finally I was trying to bring him to the point of making a decision in his life. And he says, now preacher, here's where you and I differ. He said, I think a person can go to heaven without Jesus Christ. I, I said, you, you, you What? I was a little bit surprised. I was taken back by that. You know, I, I, I had read where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so he said, I can go to heaven without Jesus Christ. He's just been deceived, hasn't he? Because there's salvation and no other, and there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved, Acts 4.12. He is our Savior and He is our only Savior. But a lot of people, when they turn away from Christ and they don't see the need of Jesus Christ, they're going to such things as science. We're indebted to science for the improvements that have been made in our lives. But science is not your Savior. Science cannot save your soul. It might make life better for us here on this earth. But it can't do anything for you spiritually. And many people are going to education, and I encourage 
education. I encourage young people to be involved in, in education. I'm involved in education, in Christian education. I, I serve as a trustee on, on uh, Faulkner University, which is a Christian university in Montgomery, Alabama. I'm one of the trustees of that school. I believe in Christian education, but education is not your savior. Some of the greatest Christians I have ever known in my life could barely read and barely write their names, but they knew Jesus. And there are many people that do not follow Jesus Christ and they go to such things as money and pleasure. Well, there's not anything wrong with money. But if money becomes your God, it will keep you from Jesus. Friend, you need Jesus Christ in your life and not money and not pleasure. And so there are many things that keep people away from Jesus Christ. There are many things that they pursue in life rather than pursuing Jesus Christ. But what we need is Jesus only. Jesus only. I remember in Matthew the 17th chapter at Jesus' transfiguration and and this is the occasion that, that the Father in heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And then, and then when Peter opened up his eyes, he saw no one save Jesus only. Friends, what we only need today is Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you want to think about it in terms of a life preserver, uh, imagine that you're on a cruise ship and the ship is going down. And you need something to save you. You need a life preserver. And we're out here in the ocean of life. And unless we have something that can save us, we're destined to ruin and destruction. And Jesus Christ is that life preserver, as it were. You need Jesus Christ. Paul said, for to me... To live is Christ. I'd like to give you four things that Jesus will give you. Jesus will give you purpose in your life. I wonder if you have a purpose for your life. Now Paul had a purpose for his life. He said for me to live is Christ. Paul didn't say now for me to live is to be involved in education. Paul was an educated man. He didn't say for me to live is to have money. Paul could have had money. He didn't say for me to live is to be involved in things like pleasure or, or to be involved in some scientific philosophy of that day or some uh, outlandish philosophy of that time. Paul said for me to live is Christ. And he gave Paul purpose for his life. Some are what one individual referred to as just wandering generalities. They go through life without ever knowing what their purpose in life is. They go through life without ever knowing where they're going. And bless their hearts, they'll not even know it once they, once they get there. Can, can you imagine a scene like this? It's a basketball tournament. And, and both of the teams are back in the locker room and both of the coaches are trying to get their teams really psyched up to play this tournament. It's an important game. And then finally they're told it's time to go out onto the court and they come rushing out onto the basketball court. 
and the, 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 the players are out dribbling the balls and then they, they get ready to, to, to throw the ball at the net and then they discover that there are no goals at either end of the court. Now, let me ask you a question. How are you going to play a basketball game if you don't have some goals? If you don't have a purpose? And how are you going to play this game called life if there isn't some purpose in your life and some goal in your life? And Jesus Christ is the one who gives you that purpose. It was Solomon who tried to find what a man should do all the days of his life. He tried wine, women, and song, as it were, and he said all of that is vanity and vexation of the Spirit. He tried everything that could be found under the sun, but his conclusion was it's things that are above the sun that count. It's God that counts. And my friend, today you need a purpose for your life and Jesus Christ is the one who gives you that purpose. But He also gives you a pattern to follow. Not just a purpose for living, not just for the purpose of being saved eternally, but it tells you how to live your life once you begin to follow Him. It's a pattern to follow. Listen to Philippians 2.5, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is, have Jesus' mind, His attitude, His, His disposition. Jesus had a mind of love. And He even loved His enemies. We, we, if we have His mind, and we follow His pattern, then we will love, and even those that do not love us. Jesus was a very forgiving person. While on the cross, He prayed, Father, forgive them, or they know not what they do. And if we are to follow His pattern, we'll have to forgive other people as well. Jesus Christ lived a life of obedience to His Father. He did that early in life. In Luke 2.49, He said, No, you're not. I must be about my Father's business. I've got to do what my Father wants me to do. He came into this world to do His Father's bidding. He said, I, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And he was committed to the carrying out of his Father's will. And if we follow Jesus' pattern, we're going to be committed to the carrying out of the Father's will. Je Jesus Christ was a very compassionate person. And, and he left us that pattern to follow. In Mar Matthew, the ninth chapter, Jesus saw the people wandering about his sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says then that he was moved with compassion. And I've often thought if there's one word that summarizes the entire ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the word compassion. But Jesus Christ was a very gracious, merciful person. And if we're to follow Jesus' example then, and follow that pattern, then we will be gracious and we will be merciful as well. So you see, Jesus Christ not only gives you a purpose for your life, He gives you a pattern. But, but something else Jesus gives you is a prize. In the third chapter of Philippians, Paul explained in verse 12 that he had not arrived. Well, that's not exactly the way he put it in the King James. He said, I have not yet attained. 
I've seen people who seem to think that they had already arrived at the highest pinnacle of spirituality. But folks, none of us have. And Paul did not think that he had. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ gives us purpose. He gives us a pattern but He gives us a prize to attain. What is that prize? Well, heaven is the ultimate prize. You see, when you begin to, to, to give your life to Jesus Christ, and He teaches you how to live that life in Him, and then there's a reason for the living of that life in Him, and that's to attain or to reach the goal, and the goal, the prize, is heaven at last. And how wonderful heaven must be. It's a place where there will be no sorrow, no pain, no tears, no suffering. What a wonderful, wonderful place. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. You know, Peter asked one time in Matthew 19, 27, Lord, we've forsaken all and followed Thee. What shall we have therefore? Aren't you interested in knowing what you will have if you follow Jesus? I find it interesting that Jesus did not rebuke Peter in this case. But, but rather He answered him and told him what he would have. And that ultimately He was going to have eternal life. But let me mention yet a fourth thing that we have when we give our lives to Christ. We have power. Look in chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. There's our power. Friends, the power is not within us. Our strength comes from Him. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I have no idea what it may have been, but he prayed for its removal but God's answer was, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. The strength of God was made manifest in the life of Paul. He gave Paul the strength to endure. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, Isaiah 40, 31. And so there is the power. I'd urge you to give your life to Christ if you want to navigate the troubled waters of life. Become a believer in Him. John 8, 24, repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess that you believe in Him, Matthew 10, 32, 33. Be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, 27. Live the faithful Christian life, Revelation 2, 10. One day you will attain that prize and heaven will be your home. I would urge you before this telecast is over to call for the free Bible correspondence course you will learn more about how to navigate the troubled waters of life. I'd urge you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You will find people who will assist you in your journey into eternity. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible Correspondence Course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.